Welcome to the Deacon's Den, your neighborhood cozy cafe for Catholic conversation dedicated to discussions distinctly diaconate. I'm Deacon Dave, your proprietor and host, and I have a corner booth reserved just for you. So come on in. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to the Deacon's Den. It's been a very busy month in November for the Office of Permanent Deacons, as we've conducted six discernment nights in parishes across the diocese for men discerning if God might be calling them to a vocation as a permanent deacon. Sixty-eight men and most of their wives attended these nights of prayer and discussion, and I truly appreciate the deacons and men in formation who also attended to provide prayerful and logistical support for these evenings. Now, the next step for those men who believe God is calling them to this life is to work with their pastor in requesting an application for the formation program. If accepted, they will begin what is potentially a six-year formation journey to prepare them for possible ordination. And that's the topic for our discussion today. Deacon formation, the six-year journey, and beyond. Hmm. I really feel like Buzz Lightyear at the moment there, Joe. (laughs) You know, I have to say that it's a good thing that we've reserved your favorite corner booth today as we have a packed house today at the Den. Not only do we have our in-house celebrity chef, Deacon Joe, but three guest cooks in the kitchen to help us serve up today's main dish. So Deacon Joe, I'm assigning you a very special role today. You are the executive chef. You get Ah. to sit back while everyone else does most of the work. And then I'll invite you to add the finishing touches at the end, uh, the coup de grace, as it were. So are you ready for that assignment? I think I can handle that assignment. I think the assignment of doing nothing is something we could all handle. (laughs) I almost had something wrong for getting you're my boss, so let's move on. (laughs) So let's welcome our three visiting celebrity chefs. First is Deacon John Rumplash. Deacon John was ordained for the Diocese of Orlando in 2009, the same year as was Deacon Joe and served as the Associate Director of Deacon Formation for our diocese from 2009 to 2017. I think I got that right. Uh, 2010. 2010. Oh, they gave you a year off after After ordination. (laughs) They gave you a vacation. Good. Uh, He currently ministers at St. Mark the Evangelist in Summerfield, Florida. So welcome, Deacon John. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have you here. I know that was a drive this morning. So Uh, No problem. No problem. See how nice he is? Perfect deacon. Now, our two other guest chefs, they travel as a team. Peter and Don Pronco are members of Annunciation Parish in Altamont Springs. Pete is part of Formation Cohort 2020. And God and the Bishop William will be ordained a permanent deacon next June. Now, his wives are expected to accompany their husbands throughout the formation process. Don and Pete have been participating together in formation for the past five and a half years. Wow. Well, welcome, Don and Pete. Uh, Thank you, Deacon Dave. Thank you, Deacon Dave. Uh, you guys have survived the five and a half years? Yes, we have. Yes, you have. <laughs> she looked tentative in that answer. Yeah, answer. That, yeah. And Pete, you didn't respond, so we'll, we'll, get to that. we'll get to that shortly. So we have a lot of ground to cover in this podcast, so I want to jump right in with a few questions to one of the key architects of the formation program we currently use in Orlando. So Deacon John, you were ordained, as we said, in 2009. Would you take just a a moment to describe the structure of deacon formation in the Diocese of Orlando when you were going through the program? Uh, When I was going through the program, I originally started in the Archdiocese of Miami. I did my first two years there. I attended the uh, seminary at St. John Vianney, and uh, it was very academic. My wife and I then moved to in the Diocese of Orlando, and I had to wait to be accepted into the Diocese of Orlando to continue my formation. 
when I entered the formation, I was put into a lay ministry program uh, for one year. I did not study with other deacons the, uh, or deacon candidates. I was with laity people. Uh, after one year of that, then the diaconate formation switched to a St. Leo program. So I was taken out of lay ministry, put into uh, a class with other uh, junior candidates that were in their first or second year of formation. And I studied with them with St. Leo program. And then after that year, I then joined the original 2009 cohorts uh, for the final year of formation for a total of uh, five years. After I was ordained, I had the pleasure of meeting um, Deacon Dave Gray, who took over the diaconate office. And I was telling him about formation in Archdiocese of Miami and the lay ministry program, which he knew. And uh, he was telling me that he was fought dry, wanting to find follow at that time the National Directory of Permanent Deacons. So we had discussions, and then he invited me to come in to help with uh, formation. We then structured the formation from the National Directory of Permanent Deacons with a academic of what I experienced in um, Archdiocese of Miami with the lay ministry program. So we melt everything together. And we went from a one Saturday per month to one weekend a month formation. I'm going to jump in just for a second there, John, because hearing your story, first of all, it's a, it's a pretty unique story. Uh, you started in the uh, Archdiocese of Miami. You had very much the seminary model, as you said. You came here. You entered into a pastoral, lay pastoral formation program. And I think you really um, speak there to this diversity of forms of formation that are used across the United States and have been for, for many years. I know some deacons I've talked to had in the early days, only one or two years of formation. And then you talked about going through five years, although a very convoluted way to get to five years. Yes. And today we're, we're talking about a six-year model. It's interesting that you've had all those experiences. It's no wonder that Dave Gray uh, reached out to you and asked you to come into the program. So you did play a major role as you started to uh, speak to in modifying that format. And you talked about the, the National Directory for Formation and Ministry of Permanent Deacons. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, because that obviously was a key catalyst of what you created here. Yes, it was. Uh, when I first entered uh, into the uh, diaconate office for formation, uh, there was no structure of a yearly scheduling, and we had no five-year program established. So that's what Dave and I, our goal was to do. So where we immediately started uh, from the guidelines and uh, of the uh, directory, uh, we started a um, with our human dimension, academic dimension, spiritual dimension, pastoral dimension, and diaconate dimension studies of the five categories. And then we started uh, scheduling every month. Uh, Saturday was academic with theology with St. Leo. Saturday night was a spiritual dimension. And then Sunday was pastoral, uh, also some other academic and human dimension. Uh, the last year, fifth year of formation, we were looking more towards the practicum under diaconate formation uh, dimension. So we, we developed the first year of a schedule, which they, the candidates never had for the first year. And then we developed a five-year program 
we did make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> we learned by our mistakes. We had a lot of laughs over some of those mistakes. Uh, but uh, Deacon Joe's still laughing now about <laughs> yes. those mistakes. I know. <laughs> and uh, you know, you always make mistakes. You always have to make changes, and that's what's so great about it is uh, new people come in. They have new ideas, and they just enhance the program, make it more efficient. So you just made a, a key distinction. You talked about a the first year of formation that was separate from the five-year program. Can you tell us a little bit about that first year? So a man is accepted into the formation program to complete his discernment. What happens in that first year? First year, different than what is established now, wasn't a year of discernment. Uh, they were brought into the program. They started attending formation at St. Leo with St. Leo professors. And then at uh, San Pedro Retreat Center, they were spending the weekend instead of the one Saturday a month. We had established that first year scheduling. So we still have, during that first year scheduling, we had to develop the five-year program. So, uh, you know, we didn't let the candidates know that. <laughs> Yeah, we would just this continue was just working. in time scheduling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, quick we build the railroad track before <laughs> yeah, the train gets up. there. The yeah. train's moving uh, fast. <laughs> yes, and we were laying track. We were constantly laying track, and uh, but it went smoothly. It, 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 we were keeping ahead, you know. And once we got the five-year program established, then it was just tweaking it every uh, year. Got it. Got it. And you've mentioned St. Leo a couple times now. Could you clarify that? Because I know uh, one of the questions we got during the discernment nights, people understood that St. Leo was involved, but they thought, is this online studies? Do we have to head out to St. Leo's campus? How does that work? Uh, St. Leo was brought in to the formation. Originally, they showed up, just uh, the professor showed up on a Saturday. That was the only formation we had for several years. And then um, when we incorporated into the weekend, they came in on Saturday. Uh, they would meet with the uh, candidates and the wives uh, all day Saturday for eight hours. And then they had some of the professors had some online uh, instructions. And then um, they would do their spring semester and a fall semester and so forth just like if they were going to the St. Leo University. And, and as a matter of fact, this is essentially a master's level program that the candidates are going through, correct? Yes, it is. When the candidate entered uh, formation, if he had an undergraduate's degree and finished uh, formation, he would receive a master's degree in theology. Outstanding. So what's the structure today? You've talked about continued changes. You were laying track. You also indicated that there's a difference on the way we do the first year now. So can you just give us that umbrella look at the entire program? Yes. Uh, what would happen is we were looking at, uh, we felt that a lot of the men coming in did not have a formal discernment. They said they wanted to become deacons. They had the calling to become deacon. They were invited to become a deacon. And so they developed a discernment year. That is, I think, when Deacon Joe came in to the program. Deacon Joe mostly ran the discernment. I was with the candidates early in formation. Initially, it was a, I think they met three Saturdays during out the year to go over discernment calling of becoming a deacon. They learned about becoming a deacon and uh, they were introduced to the formation program. Okay. And then the second through sixth year then is this formal five-year weekend program that you talked about. Yes. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. You know, I will say, um, as you know, I came from Colorado Springs. 
we had a different formation program there. Denver had their own. You've experienced uh, Archdiocese, uh, Miami. Many of us have talked to other uh, programs. And I will say one thing that, you know, I'm going to give kudos to what you did, what Deacon Joe did, what the entire team did. This is perhaps one of the most holistic programs I think I've encountered in the United States. Now, I know I'm going to say this and be beat up on on the airwaves by people who love their programs, but I'm not dissing any other diocese right now, but I'm, I'm really commending you guys on a fantastic program that you put together. Thank you. It's a great job. Well, I want to turn to the victims, I mean, the targets of this program. Uh, so, so Pete and Don, uh, you've been the beneficiaries of everything that uh, Deacon John has said in this new format over the past five and a half years. So share with me the top two or three aspects of formation that have been the most beneficial to you. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's a holistic approach, right? There's, you can't just take one aspect away. It's the, it's the entirety of it together. I've really enjoyed the St. Leo's partnership. The professors that come out understand the program and who it is that they're, they're teaching. And I really think that they tailor it nicely to our needs as, as potentially future deacons. It's it, that's really been a, been a blessing. I mean, the people we've encountered through St. Leo's, and then just the, holistically the entire process itself. You know, it changes you and it molds you. Uh, the dimensional classes. I know. I think the wives. I know. I know my wife, Dawn, uh, prefers the dimensional classes on Sundays to the academic Saturdays. Uh, do, do you ditto that, Dawn? Yes, I do. The Sunday dimensional classes have been wonderful for me. Um, they've helped me spiritually. They've just helped with my personal growth and development. They're more applicable to, I feel like, my everyday life as a wife, a mother. Just they've helped me grow a lot over these past five and a half years. And I think what both of you have really indicated is the key to the terminology we use. This is not an education program. It is a formation program. And as you both indicated, you grow, you change, you Mm -hmm. become more of who God really is calling you to be through this formation program. So Uh, It's exciting to hear that we're hitting the mark. John's smiling over there. So, uh, yeah, good job. Good job again. The other thing I liked, by the way, and I'm not going to let this one pass, is, uh, Pete, when you made the comment with the intent or if we become deacons, I like the fact that you're seven months away or so from possible ordination and you still are saying, if I become a deacon. Well, you're always discerning. You're always discerning God's will, and you don't want to step outside of that. You know, as the doors open, I keep moving through them, so... And sometimes we jump through windows when the door is not open. (laughs) So let's flip that around. What have been the most challenging aspects to you in this formation program? I think balancing everything. Balancing, you know, family, work, formation, ministry. It's keeping that healthy balance. And I think that's what's important to be communicating with your spouse. I mean, we were talking on the car ride over here. I think our communication has become better, you know, during these last five and a half feels like six and a half feels like seven and a half years uh, <laughs> or longer <laughs> because you know you have you have to there's there's the logistics of it you know we have a young family you know when we started the program when we started our discernment year our son was three and a half uh so now he's nine uh you know and then we have you know our daughter now is 18 so trying to coordinate that each weekend where we're down here and we don't have family here locally we've had to uh, get outside of our comfort zone a little bit and trust our community. And, and that's really been a blessing, too. Uh, it's just seeing the people that God's put in our path that have stepped up around us to 
really make this possible, make this journey possible. But I think that's probably biggest um, yes, that challenge. Is, I think that's been our biggest struggle. Like, you know, Pete said, we have no family in town. We didn't have that family support system. But we had a couple church families who we entrusted our children to. And I think for me as a mom, just kind of letting go, knowing, you know, not knowing what my children were doing, even though they were safe, just being away from my kids. And I want to say um, it was probably during the third year, that first and second year, the discernment and the first full formation year. It was good. That that third year, I started to not really question things, but, you know, my son was missing like some games and, you know, missing birthday parties. But we knew that that was going to happen. We knew that we were going to make sacrifices. And I want to say by that next year, I just that's when God just said, you know what, give this to me. I let it go. I started to open more and everything was starting to become more okay. I was able to let go. It was okay if we miss things. Life goes on and there's many more sports games and birthday parties. Well, you know, because formation, it goes beyond just those weekends, right? And it's formation of the entire family. You know, the kids have had to make a lot of sacrifices, but in a way, I think it's created healthy boundaries even within our family, within the community, where we're not running out to every single practice, not signing up for every single, you know, kind of being selective. It, it's kind of, I, I think, force our kids to be a little more appreciative of, you know, the things that they participate in. So I was wondering about that because you did have young children coming in, and I tell you, we get so much feedback from older deacons that say, why are you punishing their parents like this? And how, do, how has it affected your children? Well, I think every family's different. Uh, there's an adjustment period, but once we kind of found our rhythm as a family, it's kind of, it's just it's who we are. It just fits. When it works, it works. And I think if you you try to overthink it, if you try to overplan it, you just got to be willing to roll with it and and trust that God's God's in control of the whole walk. So so I look at the Procos now as proof of concept because you had both a three-year-old when you started and now you have an 18-year-old. So whether yeah. it's a, a small child or a teenager, uh, Rosie and I, when I went through formation, our kids were three and six when we mm -hmm. started. So it can be done, but it does require the support of yeah. an entire community. So Don and, and Pete, what piece of advice, if there was one piece of advice you could give to men and their wives who are seeking to enter the formation program, what would that be? I would say be open, you know, be flexible and really be yourself. You know, don't try to be who the formation, trying to figure out who you think they're looking for. You got to be who you are because otherwise you're going to find yourself in a really tough situation with some tough decisions to make. And one of my professors early on was Father Cooper. And man, I love the Cooper experience. <laughs> <laughs> but he would always say, he would say, you know, be who you is because if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. And a lot of people just need to get comfortable in their own skin. And every English teacher in the United States yes. has just rolled over in their grave. It, that but was we, coming from we, a professor, though. So. Right. We got, we got your point. So, so it's been validated. Yes. No, that's, that's great advice. Don. Yes, I agree with Peter. You need to be your authentic self. But I want to say this to the wives. Yes, we are there to support our husbands, but really they're there to support us too. We are actually there to support each other. It's not just us being there by his side, just going through the motions. We're there to have our growth too, and we are there as one to support each other. That's a fantastic capstone to that section. So now I wanna move forward. We said six years and beyond. And I really would like some echo added perhaps in post-production and beyond. Um, and watch, it's gonna happen, you know. Um, 
So, Deacon Joe, we've talked about the formal formation program over the six years, and I know that when a candidate completes formation, this was true for me, I'm sure it was true for you who have completed it, Deacon John, Deacon Joe, the last thing you want to think about is more classes or workshops. But is that it? Is the formation of the deacon complete when they graduate and are ordained? Never. It's <laughs> never over. It, it's, it's very interesting because as we did the discernment evenings, that every time we, we talked about possibly being ordained and it's done and the class classmates have typically and always said, I'll be so glad when the St. Leo stuff is over. And in reality, it's only just begun. When you really think about what we're trying to do, God is always trying to reveal himself to us. And therefore, we've got to continue reading. We've got to continue studying. When you start doing homilies, I mean, you've got to delve into God's word. You have to be in complete relationship with him. And so the national directory and actually the bishops at the Congress emphasized that the deacons must continue forming themselves finding ways of forming retreats, adoration, spiritual readings, reading the whatever's coming out from the popes, the pope's homilies. There's always an opportunity to learn more so that you can draw in and be that light that draws the pew, the people from the pews into closer relationship with God. And that's actually a requirement we have in this diocese of 30 continuing units, as it were, every year of right. formation to make sure we continue to grow because you ain't all that you is when you is when you think you is, to paraphrase <laughs> <Yeah>. Professor Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe that with the four of you contributing to today's menu, we have disproved the old adage that too many cooks spoil the broth because I think you truly have created a tasty dish today. So what's cooking next? Well, as you've heard today, it's expected that the wives of men in formation accompany them on the formation journey. In fact, the role of the wife is of paramount importance not only during formation, but throughout a man's entire life as a deacon. So next time, Deacon Joe and I are introducing some fusion cuisine as we invite our wives to join us in the deacon's den to discuss the diaconate in marriage, how two sacraments of vocation enrich each other. And I pray, Deacon Joe, oh, that with Judy and Rosie here, it doesn't get too hot in the kitchen during that discussion. Well, sadly, we've reached closing time of the Deacon's Den, but I'm glad you dropped by. Come back on in when you hunger for hearty discussions on the diaconate and Catholic conversation. Until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you.